This podcast is brought to you by The Empowerment Project. Research proves that empowerment self-defense training makes you safer, period. I want you to have a great self-defense toolkit so you can create strong boundaries, speak with confidence, and take up all the space that you deserve in the world. We'll hear stories from survivors and find out what worked for them and why. We'll interview leaders in the field and talk about tips, concepts, and really easy things that you can do to make yourself safer and interrupt the cycle of violence. I've taught self-defense classes for over 30 years, and I promise to teach you everything I know. Ultimately, I'm going to want you to get some in-person training, but a great empowerment self-defense class is more than just the physical skills. The list of things I want to teach you is endless, so let's get to it. My name is Sylvia Smart, and welcome to The Empowerment Project. Hey listeners, Sylvia here. First off, I want to thank you for 50 episodes and 10,000 plus listens. If it weren't for you, I would have stopped doing these a long time ago. I am now my own editor, always learning new things. It's a little scary, it's very exciting, and it's also actually kind of fun. Hopefully you do not notice a qualitative difference, and hopefully I can pick up the pace a little for both this podcast, the Empowerment Podcast by Naga, and the Power Up Kids Self-Defense Podcast, which is the one I host for kids and the adults who love them. When I record an episode and send it out into the world, that is it. That is the last thing I know. I love getting your feedback. Could you please, please do a quick review of this podcast for me? I'd appreciate it more than you know. It is so cool to hear what you're thinking, how you're impacted, how you use this podcast, and what topics you want to hear about or who you want me to talk to. It means a lot. Really, it does. Thank you. You're the best. Okay, here comes an interview with a wonderful person who is sharing a fantastic resource with us. Here we go. Hello, listeners. I have a very special surprise for you today. We met Lauren Taylor back in episode 43. And if you haven't listened to it yet, make sure to do that because this is an amazing person who has dedicated her life to empowerment self-defense and has trained more than 35,000 people she's back. And this time she's here to talk to us about the book that she co-authored with Nadia Telsey called Get Empowered. Lauren, I am thrilled to welcome you back into this space. And I, I really love your book and I'm excited to talk to you about it and to introduce our listeners to this incredible resource. So welcome. Thank you. Thank you for the kudos and for the, um, for inviting me back. I, enjoyed talking with you last time. You bet. I'm really glad that you're here. I'm glad we get to talk some more. So I was, I was reading through your book and it, and I was reading through it from the point of view of an empowerment self-defense teacher, but also as somebody who was about to interview you, (laughs) who knew that like, I was going to be talking to you about it. So I wanted to make notes and it got kind of ridiculous because I was using markers and highlighters and post-it notes and every single page is marked up. It's written on. I have tons of post-it notes all over your book. So I want to mention that this is a really great book. It's a wonderful resource. And before we go 
one step further, I'm going to recommend to each and every one of you listening that you purchase this book right now. It's a primer. It's a workbook. It's for your life. It's wonderful. And whether you're looking to get more empowered, you're interested in exploring what empowerment or safety means more deeply in your life, or whether you're an ESD teacher and you're looking for ideas and resources, read it, mark it up, pass it along as a resource to your friends, to your colleagues, to your students, to your family. Seriously, I'm very serious. Do it. So Lauren, why don't you start us off by telling us about this book, about how you were inspired to create it, how you and Nadia Telsey collaborated together, kind of how this book came to be. Um, thank you for all your rave reviews. Um, so Nadia, who some of you listeners may know, um, was one of the foremothers of empowerment, self-defense, and particularly of the non-physical parts of self-defense, the verbal and emotional mental skills. Um, she wrote kind of a precursor to this book um, in the 80s when she was teaching at University of Oregon. And she wrote a, a, a manual for her classroom and uh, used it with, you know, thousands of students in the 20 or so years that she taught at University of Oregon. Um, she reached out to me and asked me if I would expand it and update it. Obviously, we know a lot more about a lot of things than we did in the 80s, um, including about gender, about trauma, um, about sexual violence, et cetera, et cetera. And uh, so I said I would love to partner with her. Uh, so really, that's how it happened. Um, she gets the credit for um, writing the book that eventually became this book. Mm -hmm. And it was called, for those who may have been around for a while, it was called Self-Defense from the Inside Out. Nice. And I, and I said to her... <laughs> I, I, when she asked me to do it, I said, well, yes, uh, here's a couple of things that I want uh, to do if I'm going to do this. And one of them was, uh, I want to try and get a real publisher. Um, you know, she had always photocopied it and spiral bound it. And I was like, that's great, but we can reach more people if we had a real publisher. So uh, that's how it became, you know, a book that you can find in the bookstores. That's so awesome. Congratulations, really, on the... Uh, how long did it take you to work with Nadia and bring this about? Well, that depends on whether you count the uh, procrastin pro procrastination time as, as working. <laughs> you know, well, do the, you? The avoidance time as working. Um, uh, but once we got the contract with the publisher... It was really about um, a year and three months or so of research and writing. And then it was another year and three months or so of um, editing, et cetera, before release. So it was really about three years. That's awesome and, you know, worth it. And all the time that you took, I got to say, it's it's a very clear 
clear book, the way it's organized is wonderful for for a reader. It's great, which we'll be talking about in a bit. How do you, when you um, were thinking about this book with Nadia and as the two of you were working together, mm-hmm. um, what was in your mind in terms of how do you how do you foresee people or how do you want people to use this book? What's what's your hope about how how it goes out into the world? Well, we really want people to use it whatever way is best for them as an individual. So there's no one way or even seven ways that are the best way to use this book. The best way to use it is the way that works for you. So we say that in the beginning, we're like, you know, you can read it from the beginning to the end. You can dip into the chapter that resonates the most with you. You can, um, you know, pick and choose the exercises that, call out to you or you can, you know, pick the one, you can just randomly pick the ones that are best for you. Uh, uh, the only recommendation we give, well, there's a couple recommendations we give that, you know, be, because we are talking about gender-based violence, um, which is an upsetting topic. And because a lot of people who are using the book will be survivors, we do, ask people to make a self-care plan for you to, to, to have while they're using the book. Um, and the other thing is that we um, suggest that you not engage with it before going to bed because we want you to get your sleep. Um, yeah. <laughs> um, but, you know, we really want people to do it however works for them. Some pe- For some people, that'll be you know, on their own. For some people, it might setting up a group with a, a you know, two or more friends. Um, uh, I don't know how many people are familiar with um, the artist's way, but a lot of people do that in groups, and we really kind of um, imagine that as one possibility for this book as well. That's wonderful, and 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 powerful, and um, really empowerment, self defense ish, like find your way and do what works best for you and everyone's different and tools in your toolbox uh, tools in your toolkit and it, what you said is a good segue into the next thing I wanted to talk about which is I wanted to give an example to listeners about how your book works and I picked chapter 7 which is called become a resistor and I love this chapter and most of your chapters, if not all of them, start with a grounding and centering exercise, which you just referred to, a self-care plan. Can you talk a little bit about that? Like, what was your thinking and why do you think that's important to start off with? So I do think, again, a lot of people reading the book will be survivors and even the ones who aren't uh, will, you know, have some kind of mental load around the fact that these are difficult topics. Um, so I want people to have access to a whole range of tools for staying grounded and centered while engaging with this material. So it seemed, I don't, maybe I can't articulate this very well, but it seemed like the obvious thing to do to put it at the beginning of each chapter so that it, 
as you step into each chapter or as you move into each chapter, you're, you're, you're tapping into whatever resources you have around, you know, however, whatever resources you have that help you feel grounded and centered. And I believe there are 12 of them, if I remember correctly, because there are 12 chapters. Um, I want people to have the access to those in their life as well. So rather than throwing up a chapter where here's here's a whole bunch of grounding and centering exercises you can do, instead let's put it let's put each one so that you move into each chapter with another way of connecting with yourself and staying grounded and present in in the present moment. Um, I made them a whole variety of different approaches. They could be you know, auditory, they could be visualization, they could be sensory, etc. So that everybody has, hopefully finds one or more that is, that's how they work, that works for them. Um, and you can use them as as often as you want, you know, it's not, not just at the beginning of a chapter. Well, exactly. And when we're teaching empowerment, self-defense, and we're going to do a topic or we've just done a topic or some exercises or drills that are uh, that are possibly triggering or that raise our adrenaline level or some of us could be having thoughts about things that have happened to us in in the past we do we do grounding exercises so it's also I love how you've done it that you didn't make just one chapter where it's overwhelming, but that we get to practice at the beginning of each chapter and can then call on it. If there's something within the chapter that causes me to think of something like, Oh yeah, I remember when um, that I can go back to that. It's fresh in my mind and I can, I can practice it. And I, I love the way that you were thinking about that. So thank you. Um, and then the, the next, generally speaking, with the chapters, the next thing you do is you give us a quick sort of clarifying description of what to expect in the chapter, which is followed by a quote or a quick saying or a truism. And in, in the case of chapter seven, it's, quote, you can be a good person with a kind heart and still say no. <laughs> and I love that. Can you talk about saying no and why it's important to be able to do this and why for many of us, it's just so damn hard to say? Oh, wow. That question is like the entire reason. For I that. know. <laughs> so, it's, it's huge. So why it's important and why it's hard. Okay. So it's hard because we are taught that it is our responsibility to keep ourselves safe and that if something happens to us anyhow it's our fault and so there's so much you know rape culture there's so much cultural shame and blame that gets translated into internal shame and self-blame there's so much the the Oh, most cultures, and I'm just going to talk mostly about cultures in the United States, teach us that we are to blame for any gender-based violence that happens to us. And 
not only is it our fault if it happened to us, but it's our fault if we were unable to prevent it, if we were unable to say no, if we were not as competent or as assertive, if we didn't respond the way that we planned or the way that we hoped. And our gender socialization, most of us raised female, are taught that a priority is to be compliant, friendly, nice, put other people's needs first, um, you know, not 100% across the board, depending on your other social identities, but very much so for most of us that saying no is somehow mean or wrong or unkind or whatever. Um, so, and there are real consequences to saying no that are not all good, right? I mean, yes, it can be good to say no and then phew, you know, somebody hurt us and we can move on. But a lot of the times we get some kind of a blowback, right? right. Whether it's right. being being told that we're being not ladylike or we're being told we need to be less aggressive, quote unquote, at work or whatever. Um, there's some kind of a blowback. And so there are very real consequences um, that make saying no difficult on all those different levels. Yeah. And um, it is such a, sorry, keep going. No, 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 go. Well, I was going to say, and it, I, I appreciate you tackling my question, which was probably way too big, but, but, and, um, and I think on its many levels, the art of being able to say no has such an impact in, in, in within any empowerment self-defense class within the life of anyone who is looking to be empowered. And I think I talk about it from some angle every single episode. And yeah. so I appreciate that you were willing to um, have been willing to just say it again, because I think the more we talk about it, the more we say it, the more examples we give, the, um, the more the more people can see how how important it is and how effective it can be. So thank you. And I, I hope I didn't interrupt you because you were about to say something, I think. No, I just wanted to add to what you just said now that that's why it's so important to have the the other experience in empowerment self-defense classes to say no and have your no respected or to be checked with before someone touches you so that you can... Because you're not going to go from someone who's uncertain about saying no or um, someone who fears the consequences of saying no into a person who's just like, I got this, you know, no right. is my middle name. So you have to have those those uh, reparative moments where you say no and someone sees you and respects you and is willing to listen to you in order to go out, go out and carry that skill set and that uh, philosophy out into the rest of the world where you're not necessarily going to be celebrated for saying no. Exactly. And the more we practice it in um, like lower stakes cases, exactly. the, the more we can practice it in the high, when it, the stakes become exactly. a little higher and then a little higher. Exactly. And until, yeah. yeah. And we have, we have that a lot in the book starting with the lower um, lower 
stakes things and moving up and, yeah. and celebrating the little things so that you can build on them because you know we all have negativity bias right it's 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 a it's a evolutionary reality and so we're going to remember the times we didn't do things the way we wanted to much more than the times what we did and we made where it was a success so we need to celebrate those positive times so that we can build on them and not just think about, oh, I wish I had said this or I wish I had said that. Which is another thing that we're going to talk about how you, at the end of each chapter, you do pause for a celebration, for an acknowledgement. So I love that. Um, So I want to just repeat this. You can be a good person with a kind heart and still say no. Um, the chapter, this particular chapter seven continues. And in this case, it's with a list of transformations that you hope readers embrace, like going from denial to awareness, intuition, affirmation of our own perceptions, going from passivity to action, going from self-blame to anger, going from feelings of low self-worth into feelings of self-love which are so wonderful that we can keep in mind as we go through the chapter. And then you started this one, or the next thing you do is um, you share a story that Nadia, your co-author, has already shared with us earlier. But this time, as you tell it, you break it down um, and show us what's going through her head as the situation escalates, which is brilliant. And I was hoping, if you wouldn't mind, If you could read it for our listeners, would you be up for that? Sure. Awesome. So Nadia calls her story, I couldn't find the words. Um, Nadia went to a thrift store to buy a pair of jeans. There was no dressing room, just an aisle in the back where boxes were stacked. While she was changing, an employee entered the area and with his back to her, he began sorting through boxes. Nadia was uncomfortable. Okay, side note, that was her feeling. But she didn't say anything because he was, quote, just doing his job, unquote. Side note, that was her making excuses for his behavior and using denial. And she didn't want to seem paranoid. Side note, she was worrying about what he would think of her. These little side notes, uh, making excuses for his behavior, denial, he was worrying what she, he would think of her. Those are things that we are addressing throughout the book. He then turned around and asked her how the genes fit. She dismissed her discomfort, ignoring her feelings, and answered him. He then put a tape measure around her waist. Convincing herself side note, talking herself out of her feelings, that he was trying to help her. After all, jeans do come in waist sizes. She said nothing, but resolved to speak up if he did anything. That was reacting instead of acting. He then put the tape measure around her thigh. Again, she didn't say anything, telling herself that he was trying to get her the best fit. Finally, he pulled down the jeans and measured her naked thigh. At some point, she was out of excuses for him him, and out of denial, 
She was sure something was wrong and told him to leave, setting a limit, and he did. She felt that the whole assault was her fault, note self-blame, for continuing to give him the benefit of the, dia- di- benefit of the doubt, prioritizing his feelings. She didn't tell anyone ha- what happened for a long time because she was sure no one else would be as stupid as she was. And that's negative self-talk and using self-blame. So I love, yeah, go ahead. So there's two tracks there. There's what's actually happening. And then there was parsing how she, how she processed what was happening and that she used, you know, she processed it with our, our gender socialization and our patriarchal programming that, you know, what he was doing, what he felt was more, more important. She didn't want to hurt his feelings. He was just doing his job, et cetera, et cetera. And then, you know, of course the takeaway, which is, was her, she felt stupid and like it was her fault. And just to um, follow up with your listeners who may not read the rest of this, um, she eventually told um, a, a, a group of women um, a, a group of women friends about what happened and they were outraged on her behalf and convinced her that she was not the only one who would have had that response and that she wasn't stupid. Um, and then they went back to the store and reported the guy. Um, so, you know, it's, it's just, this story is, is a, like a miniature example of what all of us have gone through in some way or another. Yeah. And, and what's so brilliant about it is, or, I mean, there's a lot that's great about it, uh, the story and the way that it's told here in this chapter and the, um, the follow-up to the story as well as for an empowerment self-defense teacher for every, every time that we hear a success story, the person telling the success story has gone through these different moments and um and oftentimes doesn't think of it as a success story more as a self-blame story and so the you're you're so clearly covering the different like internal dialogue and responses and looking at um how those come up. I mean, it's just like, yeah, we're not alone. We all go through, we all have this programming and we all talk this way through these situations and empowerment self-defense isn't just about punching the guy in the face, but it's about feeling the feelings and noticing sooner and being able to speak up sooner. And just because we weren't able to, it doesn't mean we did anything wrong. It's always the perpetrator who's to blame. Exactly. Exactly. Anyway, really, really neat the way that you did that. Thank you. And and from here, like from here on, the chapter is just chock full of thoughts and examples and exercises and um, suggestions and games and information and resources. And there's so much to each chapter. I thought uh, if you'd be up for it, we could do an exercise together. Okay. If, um, if we look at page 131, where do I stand, um, is an exercise. And I thought you could talk us through the exercise and then you and I could play uh, along and talk about it, maybe share an example of a way that we have 
made a stand over the last few weeks or months or recently mm-hmm. um, and share that with our listeners and they could be thinking about some of their own. Sure. So um, where do I stand is about where you stand in the different spheres in your life. Um, you know, as, as I talked about um, the book, the book is um, primarily for um LGBTQIA plus people and women, and um, also to some degree also for people who want to be allies in ending gender-based violence or in supporting survivors. Um, And those of us who have had that gender socialization are, as I mentioned earlier, are, you know, more likely to put each other, put other people's for first, put other people's feelings first, um, maybe to be a people pleaser or have codependent traits. Um, So what we ask you to do in this work, in this exercise is to look at where you stand in the different spheres in your life. And if there are places where you'd like to make yourself more of a priority or take up more space, Think about what you can change to include more time dedicated to things that feed, nurture, or care for you. Um, Yeah, can you talk about the categories? We have categories here to get you started, but you can have other categories for your own life. Um, You know, I don't presume to know what's in anybody else's life, but what we put here is friends, family, work, relaxation, like movies and reading, exercise or movement faith groups um, or faith practices, neighborhood, pets, creative life like crafts or writing, and community involvement or activism. That's great. Yeah. And there may be more. And of course- We all wear a lot of hats. Yes, absolutely. And of course, there are places in your life where, you especially think if you're a, a caregiver, right, where, where you can't come first. So we're not- like we're, we're being real about that. Um, but that doesn't mean that in every sphere you have to put yourself in a lesser position. So can you think of a, a time, a category, um, and a time recently where you realize like, Oh, I'm kind of not making space for myself. I'm not, you know, I'm not taking care of my needs in this area. I'm feeling resentful or I'm noticing, that I'm being disrespected or whatever, and that you've made a stand? Um, well, the thing that comes to mind off the top of my head is, um, is a long, a longstanding um, situation, which is basically that I am a workaholic. Um, and so I let work take over way too much of my life. Um, so over the last, you know, 10 days or two weeks when a lot of people had time off and um, a lot of people were with family or doing other kinds of celebration or just a lot of nurturing things. Um, I made a conscious decision to put work way low on my list and spend more time with um, friends and family and um do more things that are relaxing to me, even if, even if it's just lying around. Um, so, uh, so that was the way of 
me taking up more space in my own life. Thanks for being honest about that. I love it. <laughs> did you have a nice couple of weeks? I did. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I'm actually still a little foggy headed <laughs> as I get back into, into regular uh, work schedule. Yeah. And maybe with a little more chill. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I hope so. I hope so. Uh, that's great. My example is um, a neighborhood one. When I saw this category, it made me think. And um, so in our neighborhood, we have a neighbor who's right next to our house who does gas-powered leaf blowing every Hi. Sunday morning at like 8 a.m. <gasps> and um, so sometimes it's at a 10 a.m. or 11 a.m., but it's always in the morning. And I go for really long hikes, usually early in the morning, like long. and um, Or I swim. Mm -hmm. So I, I like Sunday mornings to really go get a good workout. And then I come home and I want to chill mm -hmm. and relax. And it's uh, the air smells like gas and the sound oh. is really loud and it's annoying. And it's not just annoying for me and my husband or my kids, um, but it's annoying for the entire neighborhood. Mm -hmm. And over the last year, I looked into what the laws are and there's a no leaf blowing law, like a no gas powered power tool law on the books in our really? county. Not and, just the time of day, but you're not supposed to use them at all. And not at all on oh, Sundays. And so <laughs> what I noticed is over the last year, the neighbors and I have been talking to one another quite a bit, like the different neighbors. And um, I went away for six weeks. I did the Camino de Santiago and oh. did a long, long walk. And I came back and I was relaxing my first Sunday morning back and I was jarred by the sound and I it hit me like why are you not standing up for, like why are you not saying anything why are you not taking up any space so anyway so I called the neighbor and I talked with them and I just said you know this is what's happening I'm hopeful that you can find another day that you could do this this is why it's hard for me when you do this every single week and they were great. And they do it on Mondays now. It's like, <gasps> I know. <laughs> awesome. What you want. It works. Yes. Amazing. <laughs> Amazing. And, um, and then I was able to like take them over some flowers and say, thank you. It really means a lot to me that you were able to do this. And they, so our relations are great, you know? Yeah. And Sundays are wonderful. Wow. I'm still enjoying that. Wow. That it's quiet. Um, so to move on with this particular chapter, um, mo most of your chapters, they all do. They end with this cute thing called TL semicolon DR. So I'm wondering if you could explain that for those of us who are not, um, like, like social media savvy, like lingo <laughs> people. Um, and then you also end with some kind of kindness or suggestions mm -hmm. for self-care acknowledgement like your celebrations and so can you tell us what tl semicolon dr means and tell us uh what's important about ending a chapter with this sort of celebration 
Well, TLDR stands for too long, didn't read. And it, um, I don't know how long it's been out there in the, um, in the internet world, but, um, long enough, I'm going to say 10 years, maybe. (laughs) Well, I've been uh, not there. Basically, you know, basically it's like, it, I imagine it started with somebody wrote like, you know, a four paragraph rant on something. And then they were like, you know, TLDR, my neighbor's driving me crazy. They blow leaves every Sunday. (laughs) Yeah. Got it. You know, so you don't have to read the whole thing. Um, And I don't know. I thought, I thought of a lot of reasons to put that at the end. One is for the people who just were not, for whatever reason, reading that chapter, um, for the people who had read the chapter but needed a way for the content to gel, um, uh, you know, also just a, a reminder of what you had just done. The next thing is the, the heart of the matter where we ask people what is the best or most important thing they'll remember from the chapter. Mm-hmm. Um, we never lean on people to write, um, unlike a lot of, you know, workbooks, self-help type books. We, you know, you can, you could, uh, you know, draw a picture, you could record it on your phone, you could um, write a song, you could, whatever is a way for you of um, thinking about what your takeaway is, Um And again, that's a way of like making it yours um, and taking it with you. Um, Then we ask people to take a a self-care break. And we, as you were talking about earlier um, in a different context, it could be something very small, like a few seconds of stretching or something bigger, like a day off. But again, it's like, okay, I just did a hard thing. I just engaged with these topics that can be um, challenging. So let me do something for myself. And then the last thing is give yourself a little celebration for having done this. Uh, So I don't know. They're just, to me, they're like touchstones um, to help you engage with the material in a way that works for the way you work and the way your brain works. Right. That's wonderful. And again, like with an empowerment self-defense class, you've done hard things. So at the end of class, you do positive affirmations. You, you know, you call each other out or you talk about, you know, how, how you feel like all of that. It's, it's so important. And I think it's so great that you integrated that into your book. Well, the heart of the matter part, you know, in, in, in my classes, um, we do what we call best thing. Um, what's the best thing you're going to remember from this class? Uh, and that serves several functions. Um, but that's why I wanted to bring it to, to the book as well. Love it. Yeah. Like what's your, let's distill it. And sometimes that, yeah, it's like all that, the, again, one of the reasons why I love how you've organized this book is it's so it's so practical and it's so it hits so many spots um, as an educator as well. Like just the different 
modes that you're inspiring us to use as we read through the book and to start each chapter with, here's what you're going to learn and here's what we're hoping for you. And, you know, here's how we want you to engage in it. And here's some fun things you can do with it. And here's some hard things. And then let's celebrate what you did and let's summarize what you did. I mean, it's just a, it's just a really well created piece of work. So thank you. Well, um, I think we have time to play a game and I was hoping that we could play the no game. It's on page 181. You want to play it with me? Sure. Okay. Let's both go to one page 181. Could you, um, could you talk us through the game and yes. anything you want to tell us about? Okay. So I'm just going to read part of the instructions. Sure. Um, if your default is yes, and for many of us it is, it's super important to have no as part of your vocabulary. If you're always reacting to others and their needs, even their unspoken ones, there's little or no space for yourself, your wants, and your needs. So I am. we're going to take turns. I'm going to start, and I'm going to ask you, Sylvia, some questions. And all you can say is... No. Got um, it. In real life, you might choose to apologize, to explain, to help me find alternative solutions. Like if I say, can you watch my kids while I run to the store? You might say no, but, you know, my young adult daughter can probably, you know, in, in real life, you might choose things like that. But for purposes of this exercise, all you're going to say is no. Okay. Does this happen to you when you're teaching? Because it happens to me all the time. Um, practicing saying no and people go, sorry. <laughs> yeah. No, yeah. no apologies. Yeah. No apologies here. No. All right. I'm ready. Uh, 30 seconds. Go. Can I borrow your pen? No. Can I have a drink from your water bottle? No. Will you have sex with me? No. Can I use you as a reference? No. Um, can I copy your homework? No. Could I tag you in this photo? No. Um, would you take my picture? Nope. Will you save my seat? No. Okay. No. Can I touch your hair? No. Okay. <laughs> awesome. All right, you ready? Yes. Okay, here we go. Can I look at the messages on your phone? No. Can I borrow some money from you? No. Can I take credit for your book? No. <laughs> Can I tell you how I think you should change your life? No. Will you stop going around talking about this book? No. Will you give me all your passwords? No. Will you take me and my family with you on your next vacation? No. Okay. That was it. <laughs> well done. We both did good. <laughs> yeah. And, and, you know, when we do these exercise in class, at least when I do this exercise in class, you know, people always say, but I would never, you know, I would, yeah. but, but the point of the exercise 
is not that you're going to go out and live your life this way. The point of the exercise is to see what feelings come up when you say no. So that when in real life you want to say no, you're prepared. Um, and that you are making a conscious choice when to apologize, when to explain, you know, I, I would love to help you, but I have a terrible headache right now. Um, uh, and when to help the person find alternative solutions. Um, so we're not telling people to just go out and like be a no machine, <laughs> but we've all been programmed to be yes machines or most of us have. So it's good to have no as an option. Exactly. So if our default is a people pleaser, a yes person, you know, the way that we've been socialized, then empowerment self-defense is about choices and being able to say no consciously, exactly. mindfully is an important skill to have in our toolkit. Exactly. Yeah. Awesome. Um, on my kids' podcast, I have a game that families can play where um, the parents get to pick once a week uh, one thing that the kids get to say no about. Oh, nice. Um, yeah. And they're going to pick up, like, they pick a period of time, like, okay, breakfast tomorrow, you can say, I'm going to offer you different foods and you can say no to like as many of them as you want uh -huh. or whatever. And so um, some colleagues of ours are over in Slovakia doing a ton of uh, empowerment, self-defense training with kids and they use that. Uh -huh. um, and they called to let me know the parents hate this exercise <laughs> <laughs> and the kids love it. Uh -huh. <laughs> but, you know, the kids are practicing saying no and the parents understand like, I, yeah, I want them to have a healthy breakfast this morning, right. but oh well. I mean, this is an area where the kids get to say no and it's important for kids to practice this too. Right. Um, well, it's been wonderful chatting with you and I think it's, it's time for us to start wrapping up, but I wanted to see if there was anything else that you wanted to talk about your book that we haven't talked about yet? Anything you want to mention? Um, I appreciate your enthusiasm and getting this out there in the world. Um, I think for people who have taken a self-defense class or who teach self-defense, you're going to find a lot more depth in this book because it's not, you know, we have more time to go into things in more detail. And um, for people who haven't taken a class, um, one of our goals for the book is that we can reach more people than all of us who teach empowerment self-defense can reach. Yeah. Um, you know, just because, the, you know, for any number of reasons, a lot of people are never going to take a class, but they can get a lot of what they would get in a class out of this book. Yeah. Um, so I just hope people will share it with everybody they know. Um, and, uh, I think, I think it's going to become the way it's going to become reach the people it needs to reach is through word of mouth. Yeah, exactly. Like anything like a self-defense class. Right. So where can we find this book? Um, and do you know, is it at libraries? Um, you can find it anywhere that you buy books. Um, you can, uh, if you live outside the United States, I think you have to order it on Amazon. Um, but inside the United States, you can get it um, anywhere that you buy books. And in addition, um, I encourage people to look at bookshop.org because it supports independent booksellers. Nice. Um, 
we've um, and we're also working with some colleges to get it into classrooms. Um, I I think libraries have a ambivalent relationship with it because they have ambivalent relationships with any book that you can write in. Mm, good point. Okay. Something I learned. So okay. um, some libraries will have it. Um, and certainly please go to your local library and your local bookseller and ask for it. Yes. Right. Um, yes. Uh, but I do understand if libraries choose not to carry it because it does have places for writing in. Do you have any, um, are you, I know you've been going around the country and talking mm-hmm. about the book and mm-hmm. do you have any upcoming cities you're going to be visiting or readings you're going to be doing or? Um, I'm hoping to set up, I don't have a date yet, but I'm hoping to set up a, um, like basically a Zoom book reading as if we were at a bookstore, but actually on Zoom so that people whose cities will, we won't get to um, have a way to participate. So I'll be sure and let you know when that does get set up. Please do. And I'll um, make a little note on our Facebook page and social media and all that good stuff. Wonderful. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for coming and sharing your book with us. Thank you. I really appreciate your um, enthusiasm for it and uh, getting the word out to people who can benefit from it. You bet. Thanks. Thanks again. Take care. It's affirmation time. This is how I end every self-defense class. It's kind of cheesy, but it's very cool. And this is how it works. We're going to do like a little call and response. If you can say this out loud, if you can repeat after me, do it because it's important, I think, for you to hear your own voice. But if you can't, like if you're on a crowded subway or someplace where it's embarrassing, don't worry. You can also just say it inside your head. Okay. So I'm going to say something and you're going to repeat it after me. I'm going to give you space to do that. And at the end, we're going to say yes. Here we go. Repeat after me. I am worth protecting. I love myself. I belong. I deserve to take up space on planet Earth. I am a strong and powerful person. Yes! And hey, as a wrap-up, will you do me a favor? Will you do all the things that you do when there's a podcast? Like, will you tell your friends? Will you subscribe? Will you come back each week, communicate with me, review this podcast? Like, all those things to help get more bandwidth, help more people find out about it. That would be super awesome. Take a deep breath. You are amazing. Thank you for being with me. See you next time.